comes way at night. Hello, cocktail lovers. Welcome to Paris Cocktail Talk, the show brought to you by the 52 Martinis Guide to Paris Cocktail Bars. I'm Forrest Collins, and I'm here to talk to you about the trends and traditions of drinking in France. So today I have guest Stephanie St. Faust uh, in the studio, and we are talking about, we're going to be talking about um, small farms in France, um, these smaller productions, and and how some of them are turning to spirits productions. So I've always been really interested in the agricultural landscape here. It's a very important part of France. So uh, I met Stephanie when we were both tasting at the Par- recent Paris Cocktail Spirit Salon, and we were both at the little local tasting booth, tasting some of the different products coming out of France. And we got chatting about this. So couldn't wait to get her on the show so she can share some of her experience. Um, she is a lover of craft spirits and uh, and let her explain a little bit about what she does. But like us, she also has a residence in the countryside. So has not just worked with uh, w- with some of these farmers, but has seen firsthand what's what's going on with the with the agricultural and the spirits landscape in France. So welcome, Stephanie. Great to have you in the in the studio. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about what you do with some of these um, with some of these smaller brands? Yeah, sure. So uh, I am the owner and director of a brand development agency called Lucent, uh, and we help get new spirits on the market. The focus is on craft spirits, mostly spirits that are made here in France, although we have some clients we work with outside of France as well. And my specialty is working with agriculture workers and small farms who are looking to break into the spirits industry. Cool. So I know that we've talked um, a bit uh, outside of the show on what the agricultural landscape looks like for small farmers in France. And uh, and I know that you've got some firsthand experience with that and some information and thought to share with the listeners. So why don't you kind of tell us what that looks like for small farmers right now? Well, it's tough right now. <laughs> Agriculture, particularly for small town farmers right now, is really tough. Um, I think when you look at statistics, it helps to paint a very easy example or a, a, an easier way to understand what's happening. In the 1960s, farmers made up 70% of the population here in France. And today they make up 3% of the population. So it's a heavy decline, and that is for many different reasons. One of the biggest reasons being, of course, that market prices are incredibly low. So it's a lot of hard backbreaking work with no profit. Yeah, I know you were also mentioning to me um, that there was some historical uh, reasons behind this, these, um, the buying up of the smaller farms by the bigger farms. So can you shed a little bit, bit more light on that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, well, following World War II, the Gaulle, he thought that one of the things that made France weaker than they would have liked to have seen uh, was the fact that it was a very rural country instead of a more industrial country like Germany. So one of the things he had introduced to France was the option to have government subsidiaries for farmers to buy out smaller farms to triple and quadruple the size of their farms and bring in new machines and technology to help them tend to the land. Uh, That has 
backfired <laughs> over the past several decades because it's expensive. It's really expensive. We have a lot of farms who have to every few years take out more and more loans to keep up with this machinery and the different technologies to tend to these big lands that they can't afford to hire farmhands for. Uh, and again, market prices are very low, so they don't make much of a profit and they're just kind of stuck. Yeah, it's got to be tough. I mean, I know I've mentioned to you before uh, where our houses in the country were surrounded basically by fields and these fields belong to our neighbors. The mayor of our, our t- small town lives in our street. The field across from us is a bit, it rotates the crops, but you know, you see, you see this one person out there driving his tractor and, and, you know, and harvesting. And I just think, Oh, I mean, I guess that's got to be in your blood to want to continue such backbreaking work for so little profit at the moment. And I think that's such a shame because as a country, we are so reliant still on, on uh, the pride in our terroir and, and our agricultural production and so I, on one hand, I'm happy to see that that's being subsidized by the government so that these smaller farmers can continue. But it's also really sad to know that they can't just continue based on, you know, fair market value and that people aren't appreciating, uh, I guess, the the value in, in these small productions versus really large industrialized uh, processes. So, so that's just my little, you know, opinion on oh, the sad state of affairs. But um uh, I mean, there's lots of places that we could go on this. And um, uh, I, uh, sorry, I'm <laughs> listeners, we had a few starts and stops. So now we're kind of stumbling through this, this latest recording. But uh, we were talking about uh, off off recording as well. We were talking about the idea that now, for example, because there's so many um, things that we're, we're getting from outside of France, even. So that's why we're looking at things like the mustard shortage that we have here in France. You know, we we, we instead of we, people might imagine that all our seeds are coming from Dijon, but that's not at all the case. So this so this Dijon mustard that's on our shelves, these seeds are coming from outside of France, and that's why now we are having um, you know shelves that are devoid of, of of mustard. So you know, I think that it'd be nice if we could find ways to really maintain local production and and also just you know it's a nice call out to listeners: go support your local local farmers and small farmers when you can and go to real farmers markets. Absolutely. If look into where your local AMAP is, uh, AMAP, the Association pour la Mention d'Agriculture Paysanne. So it's a association to help your local agriculture workers and they will sell directly to you. Just go online, look up where your local AMAP meets every week and every week you get to go and meet with your local agriculture workers who are selling you their goods directly. That is something that's good to know. Listeners, I'll put a link to that in my show notes. So you, you know, those of you who are here in France, you can check it out. And those of you who are elsewhere, find something similar in your own regions. <laughs> so, um, so I know that you're working closely with small producers who are maybe, well, I don't know if they're fully transitioning, but they are in part deciding to um, make spirits as well. So can you tell me maybe why some of these farmers have decided they're going to start working with a uh, with uh, liquid production, uh, what's driving that? Well, I believe, well, not I believe, what I know is that spirits are not just liquid. It's not water. It's coming and being distilled from products that these agriculture workers are actually growing and tending to themselves. So 
when they think of the spirits industry, they think it's a very profitable industry and it's much more profitable than what they're selling their produce at. So they would like to get into the more profitable aspect of this and start transforming their products to liquid gold is what they have in mind when they're thinking of distilling their own uh, spirits. So the motivation there is really to help the bottom line, to make more profit, to help sustain their farms. Yeah. I'm sure lots of people have that idea that it's, um, that it's, it's easier or more profitable to, to create spirits, but I'm sure it's, it comes with its own set of challenges. And we talked a little bit about this, you and I, and then also at, in other shows, I've talked about this, the idea that it's really hard for small producers to get their product when it comes to spirits and alcohols and liqueurs out to a bigger market. So uh, why don't you talk to me a little bit about some of the experiences that people you have worked with and seen uh, in these smaller kind of agricultural productions trying to get their products out? What happens and, and how does that go? Uh, they very quickly realized that the industry is very cutthroat for those who don't have deep pockets when it comes to marketing. Uh, they can't give out free product left and right. They cannot give trips for 20, 25 odd bartenders from Paris to go for a long weekend, <laughs> a long party somewhere. They're incapable of doing these things, at least at the start. The idea is that they'll get there eventually. So to get started, they do direct sales, local markets through their website, uh, lots of local fairs, regional fairs and things like this. Uh, they soon realized that the price to sustain their spirits production is much higher than they had anticipated. So they have to break out of their region. Uh, and eventually, the, I, I think the goal for anybody who starts spirits is to get outside of their country as well. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I lost track of that question. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, and I think... But I think you answered the question. It's hard. It's yeah. hard for um, small producers to compete against the big guys, right? They've got they've got a lot of money. They've got a lot of market reach. They're global, and so it's really hard to sort of sneak in um, amidst all of the all of the biggies. So, um, you know, which is which is also a shame because it's really nice to see these very specialized uh, local products and to celebrate them, but. You know, it's it's a different price point as well. I mean, uh, you know, my experience often is when you're getting these um, smaller products. Like one would think, one would think, oh, you know, this um, might be cheaper to do it this way, but not necessarily. You know, I mean, it's it's really kind of, um, I guess, uh, surprising. So maybe talk about the different price points on what you get um, uh, when you're doing these small productions versus the big players. Oh yeah. So I think a lot of small producers right now, I, don't, I think this is a trend that you'll start to see dying out, but because they already know the price point is higher, they put it in more boutique type packaging. So 50 centiliters usually as opposed to 75. And for 50 centiliters, you would usually see something starting around, uh, I guess we're talking about for direct to consumer, 38 to 42 euro, as opposed to the 27 euro people are picking up 75 cents liters for. So the price difference is huge. But something to keep in mind, again, is the quality. And 
what's actually happening to get this bottle on the shelf, what's going into it, the labor uh, that goes into it. A lot of the spirits in France that are being produced right now in bottles are being harvested by hand, not machines. So there are a lot of different components that add to that price. Yeah. And again, you know, as we talked about, just the idea of spending a little bit more to to support your local producers, to support your small producers, to support artisanal um, offerings. Yeah, I think that sometimes it's worth it. And, you know, we were talking before also about it's important too, as you were just these kind of things you were saying to educate the consumer uh, to make sure that they know the value of what is in the bottle. And speaking of what is in the bottle, uh, what kind of what kind of spirits are you seeing? Are you seeing mostly grain spirits when with these these smaller producers that you're working with, um, fruit based spirits? Tell us a little bit about what kind of things you're seeing in the bottles. I'm seeing a little bit of everything right now, so it depends on what the producers are growing the most of. Uh, for example, you have the Domaine de Ferronville, which before they were just potato farmers. Uh, but now they are a potato farm and distillery that <laughs> distills their spirits from their potatoes. And they do gins and vodka. And they're actually the only uh, vodka produced in France that is made from potatoes that are grown on the premises and bottled on the premises. So that for them is a pretty big thing, something to be proud of, <laughs> to have that title at the moment. And we also have the Distillerie de Sonner. Distillerie de Sonner, uh, they are a organic farm and organ, so lots of different fruit trees, and they do all sorts of different liqueurs and gins and vodkas made from these fruits. They do very fun and creative and weird things too. For example, they have a uh, eau de vie from Riette de Porc, so pork Riette. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun. It turns heads, and uh, that's actually brilliant marketing on, on their front there because it brings people to their stands and tables when they're out in markets because it's it's interesting. They're like, "What is this? I don't know it." Um, you also have, for example, I think you might be familiar with them, uh, Distillerie d'Ile de France. Uh, they are very creative. Uh, and one of my favorite products that they're producing right now is their autumn gin, which is distilled from carrots and it's absolutely delicious. (laughs) That's the, yeah, I, I love to see the creativity that's coming out and also, um, less reliance on so many just strictly grain spirits, because I think it's, um, Just from an ecological standpoint, it's better to have a variety of things growing and not just having basically wheat wiping out all of the the different um, crops, uh, both for rotational purposes and just for floral purposes, uh, which is maybe something we'll talk about a little bit in our next episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I think that that's, that's very exciting. Now you had mentioned to me that there is a site. Uh, we tell the listeners a little bit about the Lexia uh, site um, because I think it's an interesting way for people to be learning more about spirits, these kind of platforms. So tell oh, us what it is. 100%. So um, I have been lucky enough to have worked with and been associated with early on Lexia.com. And Lexia is a platform that's close to two years old now. Uh, here in France. It focuses on craft spirits 
and telling the story of the spirits to really help get the word out there. And it is available uh, for home uh, spirit lovers and, and business owners as well. So it's B2B and B2C. Uh, they basically help to cut out the middleman as much as possible because traditional distribution channels tend to be pretty pricey for spirits brands. And that's something a lot of people don't understand. Uh, so Elixir really helps with the marketing front, making it more affordable and accessible, and also to get the spirits out to people directly from the producers, uh, at a much lower cost <laughs> than other distribution channels. Yeah. Excellent. Um, is there anything else that you think is important to share with our listeners about uh, the, the state of agricultural in France at the moment or the, this movement of farmers to putting liquids in bottles? I think that uh, one thing I would like to point out is, although there are less and less farmers, it seems like, and the population of farmers continues to decline, it's not totally dead. And what you are seeing over the past, I don't know, 10 to 15 years now, the farm to table movement, it's kind of sparked uh, a passion and drive for people to reconnect with nature and to want to have more of that. Now it's extending to the glass as well. So you have a lot of younger people who are leaving their city lives behind and coming into the countryside, hoping to not only start anew, but to get more in touch with, I, I guess, with the natural side of life and, and help put food on the tables uh, of, of France, like everyone else. I'm sorry, we're going to have to start <laughs> on That's that okay. one over again. Um, so yeah, your, your question was, what I would like people to know about agriculture in France. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is there anything else that we haven't covered? Just, you know, I think it's, you know, we've touched on a lot of topics that it's important for people to, to think about, think about the provenance of what you're, what you're consuming. Think about the, you know, the uh, local aspect, think about the cost associated with producing something locally and artisanally. So is there anything else that maybe listeners should keep in mind when they're out there, you know, looking at the shelves or at their farmer's markets? Uh, buying spirits just is there anything that maybe we haven't shared with them that's important to know um god why am i stuck on this question right that's now it. that's okay i i you know it's my fault for leaving such an open-ended question so i'm going to give you a pass <laughs> i think that you've really already shared quite a lot of information with us and, and we're going to be talking on the next episode you and i we're going to continue this conversation and i think that we'll have a lot more to say so for the listeners we are going to be talking on the next episode a little bit more about the um, bee to bottle, like the bee population and its importance um, in agricultural uh, France and well, globally. Anyway, that's that's another topic that we'll jump into. So, um, yeah, I think um, do you want to tell people, is there anywhere they can find you online? Can they follow you on Instagram? Uh, do you want to give them a little idea where to, where to locate you? Yeah, for sure. You can contact me. Uh on Instagram at, at Lucent Drinks. Uh, you can send me messages and follow my stories when I'm out and about throughout France discovering new uh, distilleries, 
or hosting dinners because I do a lot of dinners and uh, cocktail events with the spirits uh, that I work with throughout France. You can see a little bit of what we're doing. Uh, You can find me on LinkedIn under my name, Stephanie St. Faust, and check out our website, lucent.bar, sorry, dot bar, lucent.bar. And yeah, that's, you can take a look at everything we're doing and don't hesitate to send out a message if you have any questions. Excellent. Well, thanks very much. And for you listeners, I will put links to all of those things in the show notes. So, so you can follow along, you can follow along with Stephanie's stories and her projects and some of these different um, spirits that she's associated with. And we will be talking with her more about one in particular on the, on the next episode, Erica spirits. So Stay tuned, stick around with us for the next uh, next month's episode. And uh, I think we've come to the time, that time of the show where we do the cocktail of the month. And, you know, usually I have our guests present the cocktail of the month, but I forgot to tell Stephanie to be prepared with the cocktail. So I'm going to come in with a cocktail of the month this month. And we're going to go super simple and something that's inspired by this show. As many of uh, my regular listeners know, we have a house in the countryside in Le Perche, uh, which... Um, is a very big agricultural area. And I'm going to be uh, talking about a drink that that we have quite often out there for an aperitif. If you go into restaurants, uh, you will often be offered a Kier Percheron. So a Kier from the Perche. Now, I know my regular listeners already know what a Kier is, the creme de cassis mixed with some white wine or Kier Royale, which is mixing it with champagne. There's um, a very popular drink in Normandy called the Cure Normand, which is creme de cassis and cider. But in Le Perche, we like to order the Cure Percheron, which is the same. It's a little cassis. Sometimes people put a peach sugar syrup in, but I prefer cassis. And uh, so, you know, you just take a, a wine glass, dribble in a little bit of creme de cassis, and then you top it off with cider from Le Perche. So Le Perche now has its own AOP for cider. And, uh, and that's it. And it's just a nice, refreshing, super simple, super easy thing. Uh, really fun way just to, you know, if you want to do something a little Frenchy for an aperitif and, you know, just a little bit off the, you know, a little bit different from the usual cure, I highly recommend it. And if you can't find cider from the Pêche, any cider will do. Uh, it's a lovely little mix. So with that, I'd say that's a wrap for this month. Uh, again, thanks to Stephanie for coming onto the show. Thanks to World Radio Paris for editing and production. Thank you to Sun Little for the music that we use. As usual, I remind you to please drink responsibly. And also, if you like what we're doing, uh, hop over to iTunes or whatever other platform you listen to your podcasts on and leave a review of the show. From what I understand, that helps other people find it. But it is also nice for me because it just makes me know that I'm not talking to myself and somebody listens and somebody cares. So with that, until next time, cheers. In the